This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. <laughs> now you're good. Now, now you, the jokes are rolling. Okay, Rabbi Sai, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Before we start, I think we all have to just give a round of applause to Rabbi for arranging this. Rabbi gets a round of applause just for being, just for being Rabbi Jacobowitz. Welcome to everybody watching here on Torah Anytime. Um, this is sort of a one-time, maybe we'll repeat this um, idea or this concept, but we're holding today, many people don't realize, at the very, very, very tail end of Shaivavim, which probably means almost nothing to most people. The idea that Shaivavim is running out with a matter of hours, and most people's idea is like, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever, didn't really notice when it came, not really very concerned when it's leaving, and I'm not really going to miss this thing, uh, so don't worry about me. So I-, I wanted to share with you a message that I heard many years ago, and its impact, it, it really affected me a lot in-, in hearing such an idea sort of come down to practice. You see, there's a lot of people that hear ideas or share ideas, and from an idea perspective, the idea is really good. Like I would imagine that every person in this room wants to be a really great husband. And if I were to say to you, do you want to be a great husband? Most people go, yeah, 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 I want to be great, I want to be great, amazing. But what it means to be a great husband is that you have to take, and please listen to this, practical steps, short, practical ideas, things that you can do on a daily basis. There are a lot of men and women who are suffering in marriages. There's a lot of businesses that are suffering. They have a great slogan Right? Make America great again, or make this company great again, or make my marriage great again, or I'm going to work really hard. These are really nice ideas. But in practice, they mean nothing. If you don't answer the phone and give people good service and have a great product, and be there for your spouse as a husband, or as a wife, or for your children. The practical side of things is where you connect the slogan to something that actually makes tangible results. Does that make sense? So today I want to share with you an idea in practice that most people can, they think they know, they, they, they feel like they know, but they don't really know. So the idea of Shaivavim, for those of you who've ever heard this term, is that Kala Yisrael left, Kala Yisrael left Mitzrayim, and when they left Mitzrayim, they went out on a very low level. And they ultimately rose to Harsinai, and then ultimately to Eretz Yisrael, where their Kedusha was enhanced. So the idea of Shaivim to most people is that I am working on Kedusha. What is Kedusha? What does that word mean in a real practical way? Most people, they, they talk about Kedusha, they hear about Kedusha. To them, Kedusha really is not much more than like feet together, like Kadash, Kadash. That's, that's Kedusha. They, the, the idea of real Kedusha doesn't really mean much to most people. I want to share with you an idea that I heard from my Rebbe Yerubislav Berkowitz, and it is so good that it is better than the poppers, it is better than the hafastrami, and the sushi, and everything else that you're eating right now, although that is definitely an added bonus. But this idea, I'm telling you, it is better than all of those together. Oh man, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> hit and run. All right, so, so here's the idea, right? The idea goes like this. Children love lollipops. Kids love lollipops. And the reason why kids love lollipops is because lollipops taste great. They taste great, 
Everybody probably has their favorite color of lollipop. Everyone has their favorite flavor of lollipop. When you're a kid, you like lollipops. When I was growing up, that was like it. It was just like lollipops. Then they start with like those sprays and those things. Like now it's like there's more candies than, than toys, than cars. It's like unreal what's going on in the candy section these days. But in my day, it was, it was lollipop. Lollipop was the metaphor. It was like the cheeseburger. So everyone, you had lollipops. Lollipops was like, it tastes good. You eat it. It's sweet. It's delicious. And that's it. And what happens when you eat a lollipop is that you're very focused on your pleasure right here, right now. And if you take a lollipop away from a child, that child will get really upset at you and they will throw a tantrum and they will let, it, let you be known that you stole my pleasure that I got right now. They will be very upset about that. And they'll throw a tantrum and even if you try to like, not here, not now, and this is not the time, you're not talking to a child because he wants his lollipop. And when you took away his immediate source of pleasure he gets really annoyed at everybody. And it doesn't matter that you're his parent. It doesn't matter that you're his brother, sister, anybody. You cannot quiet a child whose lollipop has been stolen because their idea of pleasure is right here, right now. There was a student who was once on a trip with their teacher. And at the end of the trip, they went to a museum. The museum had a parting gift. And the gift was a lollipop. True story. This is not made up. This is not like a muscle. This is like a true story. And every kid, as they left, they, they reached into this big box and they handed each child a lollipop. And every kid got it, thank you, made a bracha, okay, you know, and they ate it, right? That was it. The last person out the door was the teacher. So there's this elementary school, they go on this trip, and everyone gets their lollipop, and the teacher is the last one out, so the guard, or the person handing it out, as like a, not a joke, but like as like a token, like, oh, you were also so good today, here's your lollipop. And the teacher gets the lollipop and says, um, this one is blue. Can I have a red one? <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, no, like, it's a joke. No, you, you, what you get, you get, and you don't get upset, right? That, oh, you guys don't have kids? Okay, that's, that's the, <laughs> that, that is the song, right? What you get, you get, and you don't get upset. And the teacher's like, yeah, I know, but I really like red ones. Can I please have a red lolly? And the guy's like, okay, fine. And he takes back the blue one and puts it in the box and takes out a red one and gives it. And one of those students saw that interaction, came home and said to their, to their mother, this was a kid who was like in fifth or sixth grade, they said, I will never learn anything from this teacher ever again. Never. And they're like, what happened? Did they yell at you? They're like, no. But if somebody doesn't have the self-respect to not argue with an attendant over the color of their lollipop, I'm done, man. I'm done. This is like a, a, a 10-year-old kid. It's like, I'm done. I got nothing else to learn from this person. They're, they're just, in my book, they're finished. And, and here's the idea that most people grapple with. When we're young, we view things through the lens of this tastes good, and I like it, and that's it. And if I don't get what I want, I get upset, and then everyone around me knows that I'm upset, and then they capitulate to me, to my needs, to what I want. As we get older, we start to realize that lollipops, they're not so good for you. You guys are a little younger than me. I'm telling you, it hits you really fast. Start to realize, like, wow, my heart is racing after a lollipop. Like, this is not good for me. It doesn't make me feel good. And your taste buds start to develop and change just a little bit, where you say to yourself, like, I don't eat lollies anymore. Just don't, yeah, it does, it does, it's sweet, 
But it's just not, it's just not for me. And Chazal say that there are many, many people who are really just adult children. You see, you guys, some of you know me because I was hypnotized once in Aryezchak. That's how many of you know me. Some of you know me because, I don't know, around, whatever, right? But I deal with marriages a lot. And I can tell you that I have people in my house every single night. Every night. Some people are pre-marriage, they're dating. Some people are engaged, right? They're set to be married. And some people are married a few months, a few weeks, a few years. And sometimes I sit with couples that are married they're in their 30, 40, 50 years of marriage. I have people who come to me that are great-grandparents. And I can tell you that if you sat in my house, you would be shocked. Not at just at what they're saying, but the tones and the things that people talk about. And it's like, hold on, so you're 75 years old? And you're still arguing like a seven and a five-year-old? Does that make any sense? Right? Does that make any It doesn't make any sense. Many people really are just simply adult children. They're really just babies who are just in adult bodies. They still throw the same tantrums. It's just a little bit more sophisticated. They still get the same anger. It's just a little bit more sophisticated. And they still live for the lollipop. They still live for that instant gratification, that understanding of their spouse as a lollipop. They are here for me to feel good. And the minute I don't feel good, I don't like you. Our marriage has trouble. And it is so sad to watch adult children sit and fight and yell and scream and talk and argue and bicker. And there are so many times that I, I, I said this line to so many couples. I say, if your child, sometimes I say, if your grandchild, right, who's 12 years old, would see you talking the way you're talking, do you think you would talk the way that you would be talking right now? And they're like, no, I'd be embarrassed. Or if my, I saw my grandchild talking the way I'm talking, I would be embarrassed that this is my grandchild. And this is the grandparents talking. Because they're just adult children. And Chazal say that how do you become not an adult child? How do you grow up? The answer is, is Shavavim. You see, what Shavavim was, the, that time that Hashem took Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, it was a time where He said to them, you don't get it. You've been living so base, so low for so long, that you still think that life is worth living for lollipops. In order to stop and break that habit, you have to reset yourself. So I'm going to do you a tremendous favor, and anybody at any point in time can do this. You have to reset your taste buds. You just have to reset your taste buds. And Hashem says to Kalei don't worry, you don't have to eat, you don't have to drink, you don't have to worry about clothes, you don't have to worry about your house, you don't have to worry about anything. All your physical needs are on me. I got it. Because if you want to go from Tuma to Tahara, from Tuma to Kedusha, from low to high, from, big to, from, slow, from low to big, there's only one way to do it, and that is to reset your taste buds. So Hashem says to them, I'll give you man. You don't need to eat anything. You don't have to worry about your clothes. They're going to grow with you. Worry about your house. Don't worry about your house. It's on me. I got everything. Guys, just focus for just a minute. And you're going to see how good it feels to be big. They come to Harsina and they're like, wow, this feels so good. But you know what happened? There were some people who couldn't get that taste out of their mouth. They couldn't forget chewing on meat. They couldn't, they couldn't get that out of their brain. 
They were like, no, but, but where's the fish? But where's the, where's the chicken? Where's the essen? Like, where's my sushi? They, they just couldn't get that out of their head. And they complained. And Moshe is like, are you seriously complaining? You have the man. They're going to talk about this for all time. You guys have it. You're complaining about something else. They couldn't kick the fact that they were children. They were children. They liked the taste. They lived for the taste. The Rambam says that one of the lowest things, one of the lowest things that a person can do is to talk about food. <laughs> we don't think about that often. Right? And they don't really quote this much to people. The Rambam says one of the lowest things a person can do is talk about food. Food is the function of life. It helps you live. It gives you energy. And the focus of your brain, which is one of the most, the most important organ in your body, you are focusing on food. The Ram says it is one of the lowest things a person can do. There's an amazing story of Rav Lapian. For those of you who know, Rav Lapian, he wrote an incredible safer called Leva Eliyahu. If you do not own one, go buy one. I, I'm telling you, it will change your life. It's one of the most fascinating svarim in terms of machshava that you'll ever read in your life. And Rav Lapian says that when he, was a, when he was a youngster, when he was a child, he was learning in Kelm. For those of you who don't know, Kelm, the school of, of, of Kelm, was a very rigid school. They were very much, they were very much into the idea of precision. If something started at nine, you were an hour late if you came a second late. Everything you were early, if you put something down, it stayed there. Nobody moved it. Everything was very precise. And they decided, Ravelli Lapian and his friends, when they were young, 19, 20 years old, what we're going to do is we're going to try to, to, to get in control of our brains, of our thoughts. And they decided, they made this Khabura. I wonder here who, who, who would try this, listen to the whole story, that every night after Night Seder, they're going to get together and they're going to publicly, publicly admit all of the inappropriate thoughts that they thought about during the day. Okay, so Ravali Lapian and his friends, they decide, don't sign up yet, <laughs> he says that they got together every night and they were going to say, like my brain is wide open. Because I'm in control of my thoughts, right? So if I'm in control, then I have no problem telling you what I thought about. So the first night, it's this group of Bachrim, Aveli Lapian, and a, few, and a few others, and they get together after night seder. And they're looking around, it's like three or four of them, and, and they go, uh, you know, who wants to go first? And they decided that the Rosh Hashiva's son should go first. So they said, you're the Rosh Hashiva's son. <laughs> you, you lead us off with all of your inappropriate thoughts of the day. So he's like sitting there and he's looking down at his shoes. And he's like, I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't know if I, will, if I could say this. It's, it's really embarrassing. And for like five minutes, he's like, you know, like the, the Rosh Hashiva, like shock, like, I don't know, I can't, I can't. I can't. And finally they said, no, tell us. He goes, Rabbi, say, this is crazy. We can't do this. How could I say something so inappropriate? It was bad enough that I thought about it. Now I'm going to share with you. I can't. I bre- I'm breaking up this Chaburah. And on the first night, that they made this Chavura, it broke up. He says, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I can't do this. I'm leaving. So he left. The rest of them were like, well, if he left, we're leaving. And the Chavura ended. Ravelli Lapian ran over to this man. And he says to him, I know you pretty well. Tell me, what were you thinking? Like, what was your inappropriate thought? Not in front of everyone. Just tell me. So he's like, I, I'm sorry. I really, I can't talk about it. It's very embarrassing. He said, please, I beg you, just tell me. I need to know what you consider inappropriate. He's like, fine, I'll tell you. Please don't repeat it. Later on, it's like repeated for everybody. He goes, please don't repeat it. He says, I was sitting in the middle of second Seder. 
And I was thinking to myself, tonight, it's Wednesday night. And on Wednesday night, they serve potatoes. And I was like, yes, potatoes. He's like, how embarrassing is it to talk about potatoes? Potatoes came into my brain. I was excited for potatoes. Oh, I'm dying. I can't believe I told you. Please don't repeat it to anybody. He was embarrassed that his brain, for two seconds, was taken over by potatoes. Rabbi Sai, look at this spread, right? Potatoes! He, he, not just that he ate potatoes, that he thought about potatoes for just one second. The idea of Shavivim, the idea of Kedusha, is very simple. It's that when you're a child, you eat because it tastes good. But when you're an adult, you eat because it feels good. And a child, he feels the taste. And an adult tastes the feeling. Let's say that again, because this is a deep vart. When you're a child, the only thing you care about is that it feels good for me. When you're an adult, you start to eat with your brain. You start to think. You start to use your brain. Like It's not just about the food, how it tastes. It's, it's what this is going to do, do for me in like five minutes or an hour from now. It's what does this do for me? It's that feeling, that uplifted feeling, that's why you eat. That's where your brain goes. You think about things. You know, they once asked, they once asked Rabbi Victor Miller, what's wrong with, uh, with Shmir Sinayim? Like, why is it such a bad thing? So he said, and what are you looking at? I said, you know what? You know, eh, maybe women, you know? So he's like, and what's there to look at? They were like, eh, you know, we could explain some things, right? And he's like, that's, that's what you're looking at? Meaning, yeah, yeah. Is there a taiva? Sure, there's a taiva. That's what you're putting your brain to? We're entrusted with a brain. And too often people just remain in that state of, it feels good, and so I do it. But what Kedusha is, Kedusha is maturity. Kedusha is recognizing that, yeah, certain things do feel good, but certain things feel better. It's not just that it feels good for the minute. It feels good because this is actually what I'm building. You see, I deal with a lot of people who, who are married. And when I sit with certain chasanim, there's a major problem. The problem is that we're still sometimes dealing with children. People are, are mature, they're adults. Some guys here have cars, big cars, really big cars that go from one side of the street to the other on both sides of the street. I don't get that. Right? Some guys, like, we're dealing with adults that are children. We're dealing with big people who are really little. And the idea of Kedusha is that you might be little, but you're really big. Because your brain is in a big place. Because your brain is not focused on the lollipop. There's a very famous magician. His name is, his name is Penn Gillette. I think that's how you pronounce it. From Penn and Teller. Very, very famous guy. And he lost... He lost, yeah? You don't know him? All right. He is famous. All right. And not to quote him here, but they at, he lost 100, over 100 pounds. And they asked him how you did it. Now, wink, wink, he probably did like the band or whatever. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to go into that, right? He lost like 100, I think it was 110 pounds, 105 pounds. 
And they said, how'd you do that? And he said, what he did, this is what he claims. I don't know if it's true. This is what he claims. Yeah, a trick. I made it disappear. That, by the way, that line um, was the line. Watch how a magician made himself disappear. Very cute. Okay, fine. We're not, okay. We're not doing that right now. But what he said was, he said a very interesting thing. He said that he realized that he was constantly eating just by eating, just by putting things in his, in his mouth. And then he said, I, I stopped for just a moment, and I just asked myself, like, you're going to die. Like, this is not worth it. So he reset his metabolism by eating only potatoes for 30 days. He said, I only ate potatoes for 30 days. That's it. And then, why potatoes? <laughs> why is it ironic? Oh, before. Very good. Oh, good, good, good. You're listening. Good. All right. <laughs> so he, he said he ate potatoes only for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, he slowly introduced himself to food again. And he said the first time he ate corn, after the 30 days, he said corn was the sweetest, most delicious, healthiest thing I ever ate. So I felt like a million bucks. He said it tasted better and sweeter than any candy I ever ate in my life. And he said by doing that, he reprogrammed his brain, listen to this, from being a fat brain to a skinny brain. See, there's a lot of people, they do the band and it doesn't work. You guys know such, such people, right? They do the band, they're like, we feel like a million bucks. And like two months later, you see them, they're like, well, if I eat soup, and then I go ahead, I take some bread, right? And then I take some soda, leave out the fizz. Then I could go ahead and have like all the food I want. Then I throw up a little, but then I could keep it in my stomach, and then I'm good. And you're like, are you serious? You just went through surgery to lose weight, and you're still that because you have a fat brain. You're not fat. You have a fat brain. You have a child's brain. You have the brain of somebody who's eating because of the food. Guys, it's so simple, but it's so hard. So many people, they go into marriage with the idea that women are lollipops. Their idea, their concepts, they don't have fat brains. They have children's brains. Their idea of a woman is a lollipop. It makes me feel good. Therefore, I get married. And the minute I don't get what I want, all of a sudden, I'm crying, I'm throwing a tantrum, I'm upset. It, it, it's, it's the Kedusha. Kedusha is maturity. Kedusha is understanding that when you are on your own, when you are single, in the state that you are in, you are nothing. Shara Isha. If you don't have a wife, Shara Chaima Belay, Simcha. You have nothing. Hashem says to you, I'm going to give you an Ezer Kinegdai, the greatest gift in the world who's going to help you learn how to connect to me, Hashem, and fulfill your purpose in this world. A woman is like, wow, you have the schuss to marry this person? You have the schuss to be in their lives, to have a relationship with them? And she's willing to put up with you? And you, something you don't like about her, and all of a sudden, but I didn't get what I want? That's a child who doesn't have a lollipop. That's a 75-year-old man who doesn't have his lollipop. That's an 85-year-old woman who doesn't have her lollipop. Kedusha is simple. It's simple. It's maturity. It's learning to reset. It's learning to just develop your taste buds just a little different. And stop thinking, how does this taste? And to start thinking, how does this really feel? And then as you start getting older... See, a lot of you guys, you pump iron, right? You're in the gym all the time. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, right? You know how good it feels 
when you put in that work, yep. right? You know how good it feels when you put in that work. And you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, I'm pretty good, right? I feel like a million bucks. And for some people, they, they've learned this skill about lollipops. They stopped eating lollipops. They stopped focusing on the food. They're not interested in that because they know how good physically it feels to walk around with your tight shirt and your arms bulging out. You're like, I'm the man. I'm the man, right? You know how that feels. I'm not pointing at anybody directly, right? But you know how that feels. And therefore, you're very careful. You've trained your brain to be mature. You've trained your brain to think differently because you understand that in this thing, I don't want to be a child. I don't want to be a little fat roly-poly anymore. I want to be a big person. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to life, when it comes to Kedusha, it's really all it is. Kedusha is about recognizing that your brain can very often be a child's brain. Your brain can very often be a fat brain. And if you change it now, you have a really good shot at having an amazing, amazing marriage. Because the respect that you will have for your wife, and more than that, the respect that your wife will have for you, is going to completely change your marriage from being completely dysfunctional to one of the most incredible things that you, you probably can't even wrap your heads around the, how, how far those two things are. You cannot begin to imagine the difference between a couple killing each other and just being so enamored with each other. You see, a girlfriend and Shmir Sinayim problems, these things are selfish. They're about how you feel now. And that's childish. And that's small. And that's immature. And that's being shackled to your taiva about letting the lollipop guide you. When you start to get a little bigger, you start to get a little older, and unfortunately for many people, it doesn't happen until well into marriage. They're married 5, 10, 15 years. And then all of a sudden, their wife is like, yeah, (laughs) I see the way you look at me. We have nothing. We have nothing. Because you look at me like a lollipop. Like, I'm just here to be there for you. And sometimes it's vice versa. Women get married. Oh, he's my husband. They're not there for the man. They're not there for who he is, for the essence, for the premius of who the person is. And my message is a very simple message. Is the idea of Kedusha is maturity. But you have to take practical steps. I want to challenge you, right here, right now, to do something that will set you on a little bit of like the merry-go-round of where you need to go. So you don't come back here, but you start going in the right direction. Every person in this room, I bet you, has a smartphone. And on that smartphone, there's probably a lot of things, a lot of lollipops that you could get rid of. A lot of lollipops, I'm sure. Right? And I'm telling you right now, there are some guys I sit with, and I tell them, like, in the first class, I'm like, we start learning, I go, you know what? Let's stop learning. And they go, why are we stopping learning? I say, because unless you take your phone and you get rid of some lollipops, your marriage is not going to work. You have to be able to, to upgrade your brain from a fat brain to a fit brain. You have to be able to upgrade your, your mindset, your mentality, to somebody who's bigger than who you are before. Break free of these shackles by resetting. I'm telling you right now, you have that group that's inappropriate, that app that's inappropriate, your whole phone may be inappropriate, right? So then stop and reset. If there's somebody in your life that you know is bringing you, dra- you down, they're dragging you down, because they are somebody who talks about potatoes. There's somebody who's draining you a cup. They're wasting your time. They don't have to be talking about the most inappropriate thing, but they're just so much lower than you. Then break free from that. Break free from that. Hold, hold on to your brain. Get in control of it. So that when you walk into the next stage of your life, into the next relationship in your life, 
You walk in with a fit brain. You're somebody who appreciates how good it feels, not just how good it tastes. Thank you. I have a question. Sure. Um, close it, close it. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.